Alrighty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha ila anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. When I speak these random Arabic things, do I sound British? Do I sound American? Pakistani. Uh, do I sound Pakistani? That would be like, Subhanakallahumma, you know, that would be a little bit. We're going to read Kalam Pak, the Quran. No, but um, my niece says that when I say Arabic type things, I sound like I'm a British guy saying Arabic type things. You know, I don't know. No, I can I can see where she's coming from. You can? Okay. Yeah. Now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, actually. Interesting. All right. So it's not like an American accent. It's a British accent. Yeah. Wow. Wait. So when I speak English, does it sound like an American accent? Some words, when you say them, like in the previous class, you said Chicago in the most Chicago accent ever. Oh, I did? Okay. Yeah, you're saying. like Chicago. And I was like, oh, is that how I sound? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but generally, I'd say no. But actually, now that you pointed that out, your niece has a point. Okay. She's, she's very, like, uh, alert. It's just your British colonized roots coming That's out. That's what it is. It's always the British. Ruin everything. All right. <clears throat> In any case, let us continue our explorations of Surat An-Nisa. Any questions, thoughts, reflections about anything at all? Hey, Rossi or Ahant, is there still two of you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's... <laughs> okay. All right. That's all. Okay. Any questions, thoughts, reflections about uh, anything at all related to Ahanta Rossi's baby or Surat Nisa? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, you probably won't like see us in class if it happens. So yeah, that's that's what I was, well. In Ahan's case, I can imagine delivery happening, and he's like, "Hold on, I gotta, I gotta yeah, go to, I, I gotta go to Quran class." So. <laughs> yeah, we gotta discuss the prophetocratic religion here. Exactly. <laughs> anyone else have questions about anything at all related to anything we've covered might cover alrighty so continuing our explorations we are getting closer and closer to the big ayah so ayah 32 however is not the big ayah but still very important once again let me know you can see the screen yeah thank you very much So, do not covet what Allah has given some of you more than others. Sentence one. But sentence two, men have a portion of what they have earned. Women have a portion of what they have earned. You should rather ask Allah for some of his bounty. He has full knowledge of everything. Different ways to read this, forward or backwards. First, on its own. Many of the biggest spiritual ills of the heart all stem from jealousy, envy, covetousness. So, for example, I think Dania enjoyed the, the word covetousness just now. So that was it also was in a Chicago accent or a British accent right there? Yeah. No accent, but that was a cool word. Okay, yeah, thank you very much. So... So point here, for example, what is the core tragic flaw of the accursed devil? 
It is not arrogance. He hid behind arrogance and thus became like the coffers. Was the devil a coffer? He was kind of like the coffers, but he's talking directly to Allah. He recognizes the prophet, peace be upon him. But yes, as Hazel said, jealousy. That he felt he should have been the Khalifa. In that story, <clears throat> Allah announces he's making a Khalifa in the world. The angels think of them as operating rationally, purely logically. They felt they should have been the Khalifas. Why do you need to create something else? You already have us. Okay. Just purely logically. And if you created anything different than us, it's going to be less in terms of perfection. And it could risk causing destruction. Iblis, well, the one who became Iblis, did sajda on every single spot of the world and even established peace between warring tribes of jinns in the world. Felt he should have been the Khalifa. And then Allah picks Adam, Islam, humans. So, jealousy. And yes, Marwa, exactly, even the root of jealousy is ingratitude. And so, because Iblis felt that he was wronged, then he hid behind arrogance and thought that he was superior. Or when we look at the very last surah, last two surahs, when in Surah An-Nas, we are seeking protection with Allah, refuge with Allah from the evil of shaitan, the slinking whisperer, in Surah Al-Falaq, we're seeking refuge from the wrong that people do. And the heart of all of that is the hasad of the hasid. And hasad is a level of jealousy where you don't like that someone has something and you want them destroyed for it. So think of all these different levels of jealousy. One level of jealousy is you have something I wish I could have. Yeah. And that's more of what we're speaking in this ayah, in Surah An-Nisa. Yeah, we just lost it. Uh, it was ayah 32. Deeper than that is your feeling, I work so hard, I get nothing. That person doesn't work as hard, they get everything. Deeper than that is, I don't like the fact that you have this, so I want you destroyed. Regardless of whatever I have. That's the power of hasad. And hasad is the fuel for the evil eye. So the evil eye is a real thing. And what is part of the idea of the evil eye, this eye of coveting, that when you are looking at a space, you are occupying space. But you can also add coercive power to that occupation of space, fueled by anger. And so all of these things are rooted in ingratitude. They're forms of anger. So even when you think of shaitan, you think of him as angry, right? You don't think of him as rational. You think of him as full of fury and rage. So this is at one level a straightforward command, which fits a lot of what we've been discussing before in multiple levels. We've been talking about the use of wealth. 
We've been talking about marriage life. We're especially talking about salvation. Good. But then how do we make sense of the middle portion? Men have a portion of what they have earned. Women have a portion of what they have earned. The big word, nasib. Any thoughts? Any reflections on what this could be referring to? Is it husbands and wives? Like the husband's working, the wives working, and then they have a right to what they have earned. Let's walk through all the dimensions. First, looking at things from a dunya dimension, what are different ways to read this? Uh, As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullah. Hamid. Uh, well, we can read it from a very kind of simple perspective of men in general. They have a portion of what they earn, like they work and they get what they get. And then also women have the same kind of detached from any relationships. Okay. So is this then saying <clears throat> women have the right to work? <laughs> oh, snap. I, I was, I, I think it refers more to risk. In general, not necessarily, you know, money that you earn by working. Okay. But it doesn't seem to negate that. So, yeah. Dory, I'm not trying to put, like, words in your mouth. Uh, I'm saying that this can work. And then right. we, we connect this with all the passages that come above that seemed to limit women's agency. This ayah seems to be saying women have agency. Men have agency. Women have agency. Zishan. Uh, I think it was, I, well, you changed the topic per se, <laughs> but my frame of thought was under like, you know, uh, uh, family in laws and stuff like what they've gotten from their uh, folks as well. But I think mm. you have the right, more prudent point here to discuss. Okay. Teacher, but yeah. Okay. But explain your point further. Mine was simply like, you know, they, they, uh, the portion of people have earned like from, from their side of the family. And they get it from their side of the family. Okay. So you, don't, you can't say, like, you know, this is mine and so forth. Yeah. So it's inheritance from the other sides. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that also works very well. Um, I would like to think in terms of uh, uh, earning as an earning of uh, their deeds and rewards. That we'll get to. We'll get to. First, we're looking at dunya. And then we'll get to the, the akhira aspect of it. And and okay, so in in terms of dunya, I would like to relate this with the previous sentence, which is uh, the coveting. So mm-hmm. it could be the coveting friction yes. is very high when you are men, uh, man and woman is involved. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's my point. Uh, absolutely, I think that's a very important point. That I have, I get what I earn. I get it's a portion of what I earn. The woman gets a portion of what she has earned. Do not covet what they have, especially if they have earned it. And it could also be in terms of uh, if if a man or woman is is handsome or beautiful, like the physical attraction. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And that can trigger that or possession look, of the world. I look at photos of me when I was young, and nobody told me how beautiful I was. You know, if I knew how beautiful I was, do you think I would look like this now? You know, I would have I would have like paid attention. Yeah. I have seen you like 15 years ago. Yeah, I remember, remember how handsome I was? Nobody told me. You know. I've seen yeah. you 10 years ago and I think you were the same. I look exactly the same, just more black hair. Here. Here, watch this. I don't know if I can show you this on the screen. 
you're not gonna be able to handle it look at this look at this beauty my parents found this photo of me you're not even gonna recognize this guy look at this this is me oh look at that 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 is right see yeah mm-hmm. nobody told me i just thought i was this brown guy okay in any case so uh so the point is that this could be this could apply to multiple things because we're speaking about earned may or may not include beauty unless it's you know and well manicured and such what else other somebody else was raising their hand but i missed it as i was busy looking at these photos of myself coveting myself my youth okay let's shift it to the akhira what was the point you're making about the akhira Uh, I don't know if you're speaking right now, Harum, but uh, no. Okay, so what we're speaking then about the Akhira is that you will have a portion of what you have earned. Again, emphasizing the agency of both men and women. Sorry, I, I actually, I misunderstood. Yes, so the second part was that in relation to your deeds that you earn for mm-hmm. the hill. Yeah, Absolutely. So this is not limited by time. This is including both dunya as well as akhira. Yeah. That, <clears throat> what is the benefit of being jealous or coveting what someone has worked for? That's a type of laziness, right? I'm not putting in work. That person is putting in work. They have all this wealth. And now I'm coveting what they have. Unless I am also working. And so now we're being called to make dua for Allah's fadl. He has full knowledge of everything. When we speak of Allah having full knowledge of everything, how does that fit with this passage? If you didn't include this, the passage still makes sense as a complete thought. What is this specific reference to Allah? As opposed to saying Allah gives to whomever he wills. That seems like that would fit the passage. Malahat. I have a question about the first part. Yeah. Uh, in reality, there's a lot of people actually have more than some other people do, and they still like have a jealousy element. Totally. So is that that fit into this I uh, here too? Because you just said that you know if the other person, the ayah says that you know if other one have more than you do. Mm-hmm. But technically, in the dunya perspective, they have more than the XYZ person, but they still feel jealous. Yeah, I do think that's a thing. You know, that someone might have so much and they still feel jealous of this other person. Um, and add to it all the other dimensions, not just wealth, attention, power, comfort. This person, I might have more wealth than this person, yet they seem to be have more comfort in their life, of course. And so there's always something more. It may not be more wealth. It may be more of something else. Does that make sense? Right. Happiness, right? Exactly. So So any thoughts about the last sentence? How does that fit in? What is the dimension that this adds? Because perspective is crooked to begin with. Sadia, don't understand. Uh, If you can explain further. Hamid. I think of it in a couple of different ways, but one of the main ones is I think when people are struggling with jealousy, 
and they might not really know how to express themselves or maybe they can't even understand themselves, this portion of the verse kind of reassures them that Allah is already, he's fully aware of how you're feeling. So it kind of makes it easier to turn to Allah in, in dua, even if you don't have the words, the fact yeah. that he already knows, he already has knowledge of what you're jealous of or, mm-hmm. or what you may covet. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a very nice point. Sadia, what was the point that you were making? I was just adding to your and uh, Brother Malahat's discussion uh, because you guys were talking about how even when you have everything, sometimes you even even then you feel jealous and so so that's why i was saying because the perspective basically is crooked to begin with that starts with your perspective on life and blessings and everything else okay that makes sense yeah thank you for that olfat um adding to hamid's point um, that Allah knows our efforts, what we're doing, and He also knows what's good for us. So, what mm-hmm. each one of us needs. Yes, and so here we're saying that that men have a portion of what they have earned, mimma, the share of from what they have earned. Women have a portion, and so Allah is also giving, uh, and knows exactly how much He is giving and such. Inshallah, he is giving what is good for you. Good for you might mean less than you need, but then turns you makes you turn to Allah. Good for you might be more than what you need, and then you turn in gratitude to Allah. In space, gratitude, not ingratitude. Uh, absolutely. Now, what are all your thoughts about the fact that so many of these other ayahs seem to potentially make men higher than women. But this ayah seems to be very clearly, you have men and women treated equally. How do we fit this with the rest of the surah that we have covered so far? Can we read this to say that built in to the entire surah is a certain type of equality or is that a stretch perhaps perhaps yeah, portion is uh is a reassurance for if somebody was reading the rest of the surah and they're kind of thinking like hey wait a second you know this doesn't seem fair okay. this kind of reminding the reader that actually men are equal and women are equal all right other thoughts Anyone else? I think that um, equity is more what I see uh, in the teachings of Islam um, than equality. Okay. Um, so connect it with this. What is it? So connect your point with what we have here before us. Yeah. No, I'm asking you to connect it. Oh, connect it. Oh, sorry. Um. So I think that, yeah, I mean, everyone will get men or women according to um, their own special case and needs and responsibilities. So Uh, it fits perfectly throughout, you know. This fits very well with the concept of nasib 
which is very consistent with how we often speak of rizq. Right. That you have written for you what you're going to get. And you will have what you need. But you have to find it. That's the earning portion. Iktasabu. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Who's speaking right now? Dania? Yes. I am. Sorry to cut you off, Hamid. I know you raised your hand. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Because like Nasib, I think like Rizq or similar to it, but Iktasabu means like you Earn it. earned it, you work for it. Yeah. So how do you work for your Rizq? So this, I go back to the story of Hajar, alayhi salam, where, okay, are you leaving us here? Yeah, Ibrahim, alayhi salam, because, you know, with no food or water, no response. Again, she asked, no response. Did Allah tell you to leave us here? Yes. Then Allah is going to take care of us. So she knew the risk is hidden somewhere. But she had to get up and look for it. That's the earning portion. And where was it? It was right where she was sitting. But had she stayed there, she would not have put her baby on the ground, who was kicking his feet, unleashing the well of Zumzum. And so the earning is to actually go through the process of looking for your wealth. Make sense? So you just assume that you have risk and then just work. I mean, you do yeah. whatever you can for it. I mean, that seems kind of. So, yeah. So imagine at the moment you don't have a job. This, we're basically saying you have the conviction that the income is there. But you have to go through the process of applying for the jobs. Make sense? Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Hamid. Mm. Uh, can you explain a little more? Okay. Uh, explain a little more. I feel like a lot of people use the word nasib very, very fluidly. A lot of times, you know, when it comes to marriage, it'll be, oh, this person is not your nasib or this or uh, that. Is that a whole? Is that a whole app? Is that app still around? Nasib was one of the first matchmaking Muslim apps. Nasib.com. Maybe it was remarketed into Minder or something. Yes, exactly. Uh, but anyway, can you kind of like dive a little deeper? Not like super academic, but just like into the linguistics of the word itself and like what it really means. Uh, let's have more fun than that. Let's see if the site, if the thing will give it to us. Uh, here. Let's look at all of its usages in Al-Qur'an. Well, oh, man. Very using. Uh, I was using legacy.com, but they've removed the word-for-word -word thing. Um, so let's try. Well, they've actually ch changed legacy.quran.com. Uh, and got rid of the whole word search thing. Okay, let me uh, look that stuff up for you. And then I'll have to come back to you on that one, inshallah. So, well, let me just show you all what I'm looking at. So you probably, those of you who are older at least, relate to the internet, have probably seen this uh, site. This is the old Quran.com. Up here at the top right, there used to be word-for-word -word search, where you'd also even have the grammar of every single ayah. Well, what happens if I just uh, click on one of these? Let's see if it gives me this option. No. 
Okay, so that feature is is actually gone. Hold on. What if you type in a word? There's another link, corpus.quran.com. Oh, snap. Ah, uh, yes, this is it. MashaAllah, very nice. Okay, so word for word. Surah 4, Ayah 32. Okay. You know, I should do, I should give you all like the key words that we should know for each of these ayahs. So like the first one would actually be this word. And then here's your Naseeb. Get it? See what I just did there? So here's all the usages of the word Naseeb. And the ones that are related to us, portion, 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 share, share, share. Root word. Nasaba. Nasaba Yansabu. Yeah. It's funny how some of the meanings are fatigue. <laughs> So if you're for your spouses, your nasib could have a double meaning. Yeah, you're only saying that right now because your spouse is not in the class. Mashallah. Yeah. Okay. But let me look up, look up some more things in terms of the etymology, inshallah. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections on this particular ayah? Shehla. Can you just clarify um, your definition of, uh, or the Quranic definition of risk? So risk, we commonly translate as sustenance. Nasib, we commonly translated as destined portion. And so mm -hmm. using them together as somewhat synonyms of each other, <clears throat> the principle is that your sustenance is there for you in the world. But mm -hmm. you have to go find it. Right. Make sense? Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? Quram. So going back to the point uh, that uh, Allah has perfect knowledge of all things, right? So it also like a sort of point of reflection that Allah knows everything. Mm -hmm. um, while, you, while you are in the state of jealousy, that what is given to you or what is given to that person uh, which is a cause of the jealousy and and most probably if that uh, would be given to you whether in terms of physical appearance or anything any attribute that might be harmful for you exactly so yes. so you don't know what you so it's, a, it's it, it 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 might be a point of gratitude that you are you should be uh, yeah you should be grateful not jealous this is a, a very, very important point. It is a level of faith. And built into the level of faith, the point that you're making is that what Allah is giving me is perfect for me in that moment of my life, in that state of my heart. And, and so if Allah gave me less or more in that moment, it could be destructive as opposed to what Allah is exactly giving me. That's a level of faith. But related to it being a level of faith is an orientation in terms of how you look at the world. That what I have in this moment is perfect for me in terms of what it compels me to do in my relationship with Allah. 
Should I choose to go down that path is up to me. Shayla. So when we ask, um, back to the surah where it says, ask Allah for his bounty, something yes. like that. Um, remember um, either last year or the year before we spoke about like the prayer of the tongue and the prayer of the heart. Yes. Um, and so, you know, obviously we should always be asking for whatever Allah wills for us, but, you know, yes. we might ask for a certain specific thing and we don't get that certain thing. We get something else that's actually better for us. Sure. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And then it's perfectly fine to ask for something and to ask Allah to make this best for me. Right. You know, yeah, Allah give me $50 trillion and make it good for me. Uh, and make it easy for me too. Because a lot of things might come at a cost. Like I gave the example that suppose I'm praying. There's a famous case of the companion who's praying who is sick and they couldn't figure out why he's so sick. And then he's asked, is there anything you prayed for? He said, well, I prayed for suburb. And then it's like, ah, that's why you were made sick. And so many of your prayers will come at a cost to change you into what you're seeking. So you also ask Allah, make it easy for me. Yeah. Hamid. How can we avoid uh, kind of, it seems like, you know, if you make a dawn, then something happens and it's like, oh my God, like, it's not what I meant. Because I feel like there's a level, like, Allah understands what you mean, right? Like, he's not going to give you, like, you know, he's not going to give you something in some perverse way. Yeah, but the issue is actually, do you understand what you're seeking? Right? So, the prayer of your tongue is an interpretation of what your heart is seeking. And so what your heart is usually experiencing is some sort of discomfort, some sort of incompletion that you're then interpreting. Okay, I will, this discomfort will be gone if I eat a, a cheeseburger, right? Or if I go into TikTok, or if I go give some random person a hug, you know, uh, you're interpreting what your heart is seeking, but your interpretation might be a misdiagnosis. Make sense? So the point is Allah understands what you're seeking. The point is you may not understand what you're seeking. Make sense? Yes. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? I mean, even think of yourself like, how old are you now, Muhammad? You're like 38 or something, like 47. You know, like... Close enough. Okay, mashallah. Imagine, remember yourself back when you were this little 20-year-old boy, you know, submitting final exams where you quote the entirety of Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran, and think it's really funny for the teacher. No, no, okay, no, but I'm saying think of the way you prayed for things when you were younger, thinking this will solve what I need, like when you're 15 or 12 or something. And then older, you realize, hey, that was that'd be the dumbest thing in the world to pray for. And such will also be the case, inshallah, when you're 50, looking at this person. Oh. Make sense? Yes. Inshallah. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? Hug male to male, female to female. Yeah. Sadia, it has to be consensual hug. So, so my, um, there is a funny story in my family. My father used to pray for, like he would openly be just sitting and saying, hey, God, give me 10th of the 70 million. So my grandmother would tell him, why don't you just ask for the whole 70 million for yourself? Why the 10th of it only? 
Um, so he's like, I'm being modest. And she would say, well, no, this is not modesty. <laughs> you are um, underestimating God. Nice. So don't do that. Just ask for the whole 70 million. So we you just knew that joke a lot. Recently. I thought, so think of more inappropriate jokes. Like, you know, when you're making dua really hard, and then you look at your child and you say, oh, you're still here. Right. <laughs> oh, the prayer of my heart was something different. So, in any case, uh, yes, in principle, in terms of du'as, you should aim high. The higher you are aiming is a higher statement of your appreciation of Allah. The reason we do not is that we don't have the confidence that Allah is going to give. Right. And so, this is one of the principles in terms of spirituality is that you should have high, high aspirations of Allah, high aspirations of yourself as well. And yeah, ask for Allah to make it good for you. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? Rossi Ahant. So what are some like practical like exercises in, in developing a worldview to make those kind of du'as? Well, I think for starters, you should just keep making those types of du'as and have the conviction that the prayer, like Allah has sent an angel to make it happen. And then <clears throat> you're not waiting to see if it happened. That's like, you know, asking Allah, hey, can you make it rain inside my room? That's more asking, trying to figure out if Allah's listening. But, you know, don't be bashful in what you are seeking from Allah. Because if you are, then perhaps you are not being honest with Allah, which means you're not being honest with yourself about what you really want. So, and so part of the process of getting self-honesty and honesty with Allah, think of those things as uh, in, uh, inseparable from each other. But we all naturally want more of something it could be more attention it could be more people being nice to us it could be more possessions and do not be bashful with yourself that this is what you want uh in a lot of our shame cultures we get convert we get uh trained to censor ourselves from our own selves and that's a type of destruction so pray big you know and that's the main thing. But also, uh, Hamid, related to my point, uh, whenever, like, it's my norm that whenever I'm making a dua, I'm envisioning Allah sending an angel to make it happen. And the more people that are making the same dua for the same thing for the same person, more angels are, are being sent to make it happen. Now, imagine you're at uh, the haram in Mecca, where your prayers are 200,000 times your normal prayers, 200,000 angels have been sent, right? Or the hajjud, which is more than a million. So imagine whatever you're praying for, a million angels, more than a million angels have been sent to manifest what you're asking for. But it's the prayer of your heart that is being answered. Make sense? And uh, does that help? 
Yes, yes, it does. Um, you know, I guess like, shouldn't there be some level of modesty though? Like, you know, like nope, or realism. Like, I nope. want $6 million dollars flown to me right now. Sure. You know? So there, uh, it comes down again to what is that prayer actually asking for? You know, you got to figure out what the heart is asking in that moment. Are are you actually asking, you know, to test, you know, is Allah listening? Like, you know, Ya Allah, please make me fly, you know. Uh, I think if that's what you want to do, you should absolutely ask for it, but then get deep down inside to see what you're really, really seeking. That's the real challenge. Uh, but what happens is when you feel like your prayers are not getting answered, then you automatically become so modest in your prayers that you probably stop asking. This is the exact situation I had with a student earlier today who has been going through some, some academic struggles, and he's solid in his prayers, but he also sort of admitted that he never makes dua. And it was clear he doesn't make dua because he feels like he's been disappointed so many times by not getting what he wants, emphasis on the word wants. Because if you actually saw his timeline of all the amazing things that have happened in his life, pretty amazing. He's just not getting the thing that he wants. you know. And so uh, I pushed him, you got to start making du'as, even to salvage your faith. Because once you stop giving, making du'a, you're making a very big point about your relationship with Allah. And you're going down the path away from faith. So built into having giant aspirations is also the conviction that, Ya Allah, whatever you do for me, whatever you give to me, uh, I appreciate and love. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, but I do think we, uh, culturally, we condition ourselves to be modest, which is wrong in terms of our aspirations with Allah and wrong in terms of our own spiritual aspirations about ourselves. Khurram and then Sadia and other people other hands raised, but uh, I missed them. So so the du'as um, or the magnitude of du'as, so that are related to, for, related to hereafter. So that is for the hereafter, that is understood, right? And so they're, they're like, uh, answering will be at the time of the judgment day. Uh, but the but the duas for the for anything in this world, so there is an element of time and 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 energy as well. So it means if we ask for seventy million dollars, so it means again Allah Allah will first keep you intact with your iman to be able to get to that, and 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 like so in and and also in the process to to make you able to handle those seventy million dollars. Uh, perhaps if your intention is for it to bring you closer to Allah. If your intention is greed, then that $70 million will be a noose that will lead to your destruction. But built into part of what you're saying, at the end of class, Muzaffar should lead us a group. We can, we can do that. But um, uh, uh, yeah, you can't really put a deadline on, on Allah yeah. answering. That's a that's a very very important point. Yeah. Uh, more so for the sake of your own faith, uh, but uh, that becomes that shifts the prayer from a request to coercion. You can still ask, Ya Allah, please give this to me by such and such time, because it's still a request. 
but you don't want your prayer, your request to become coercion. Um, Sadia, I feel like I miss a whole bunch of hands are going up and down. Um, so <clears throat> what could be other reasons of people not making dua outside of disappointment? Because I know some people who tell me that they don't make dua and they're pretty good in their prayers and other obligations and whatnot, but they just say they just don't make dua. Any thoughts? Anyone else? What are reasons why people don't make dua? And they might be solid in their prayers. Amit. I feel kind of along the lines of what you were saying. I feel like that some stems from a bad opinion of Allah, or at least not an opinion that you should have. Because if we had the proper opinion of Allah, we would know kind of what we were talking about this whole time in terms of risk, in terms of nasib, in terms of all the goodness he had for he has written for us and the virtues of asking him for it. But if we don't even, if we have such an opinion of him that we don't even want to ask because we're afraid that he won't, uh, he won't grant it to us, I feel like that requires some introspection and kind of repair to you need to repair that opinion uh, i would agree that that becomes the effective opinion yeah not necessarily the intentional opinion yeah so shayla and then Olfat. so um i imagine that some people might feel like they have what they need and so they don't feel that they need to ask or maybe they trust that allah like knows what's in their heart and so they don't have to like verbalize it or make dua mm -hmm. um maybe those are some reasons I think that's absolutely true. So, and for that person, I would also say they should aim for more uh, because Allah is inviting us to do so. Olfat and then Rosia Ahant. Um, it could be that the person um, feels I don't deserve it. Yeah, that I think is destruction. Yeah. And also maybe depends on their experiences with people if they have people they reached out to for help and they didn't help them out and they were constantly disappointed they project that onto Allah and so it's just like people don't like them nagging then Allah's not going to appreciate being asked so projecting mm. that onto Allah as well yeah I think that's pretty insightful too yeah Rossi Ahant um you know I guess in terms of people who are meeting their obligations and just don't make dua uh, you know uh, do you believe in dua fatigue or or you you know you look like you know deep into your heart and you you know you seem to be like asking Allah for the same like general things like over and over and you get this uh, this fatigue you know what would you say is the cause and you know the cure for something like that because that like comes to mind with that scenario is that's I, th I think another very deep point um alhamdulillah uh i think that's also a thing especially if you keep praying for the same thing over and over again absolutely uh another okay let me reframe all of this like even to my to the point that i was saying that you should be aiming higher that part of the process of of dua is you're revealing to yourself your heart so, the invitation from Allah is he surrounded you with bounties available for you, calling upon you to reach out for them. So, and I think the person who does that 
will have higher aspirations and a stronger relationship with the law. And so try to make your, rather than think linearly, like I want more of this, think of what else more of all the things that are available that you can seek, but you might be having tunnel vision. So we might just narrow it down to wealth, health, knowledge, right? And variations of that. Uh, but, you know, Ya Allah, please guide me to see the beauty of trees. You know, things like uh, spread your your aspirations. Does that make sense? Is it time? Are they not responding because the baby is coming? Oh, no. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, could you repeat that like last part? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. So I was basically saying that uh, what often happens, we we unintentionally become very tunnel vision oriented in how we look at Allah's bounties. And it's usually health, wealth, you know, knowledge. And, and included in wealth, I'm including children and or their health or success and such. And expand your interaction with Allah. And the example I gave is praying to Allah, you know, for appreciation for the beauty of something like trees. Or I'm not really a fan of 70 degree weather like we have here. Like I like 60s, but, you know, an easy thing for me to pray for is to like 70s. You know, I'm a cold weather person. Maybe that reflects the coldness of my heart. No, but the point here, again, is, is see... Uh, try to widen your relationship with Allah for all the different possibilities. I think modernity has shrunken everything to things related to productivity, which is basically wealth and health and knowledge. Make sense? Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah, it does. Other questions, thoughts, reflections? Hamid, are you raising your hand again or was it from before? And the, the, I, again, yeah. Yes, sir. Also, well, two things. One, you also have your hand raised uh, for some reason. Yeah, because I was going like this, and so oh. it just went up. Yeah, technology. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did it automatically? Well, you can ask your question right out of time, but yeah, I'll just hold anyway, my hand so you can see it. Uh, I think a great remedy for people who feel like they have everything they need, so they don't know why they should ask for more, is to perhaps pray for more gratitude. Nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, no matter how grateful we are to Allah, it's never enough. So praying for more gratitude or just being grateful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty deep. Noor should be proud of you for that one. That was good. Mashallah. Quram. Um, just to add one point that, so apart from Salah, Dua is also a uh, mode of communication with uh, or interaction with Allah SWT in a different yes. way. Yes. And, yes. and, and that uh, in terms will cause a certain transformation in you, right? Inshallah, yeah. So then if you don't go for that or you are hesitant, then you are you are blo blocking yourself from that certain transformation and communication. Unintentionally, yes, exactly. And the big point re related to all this is we reduce our reach as a person by the first thing being that we reduce our aspirations. And so we're invited to make our aspirations as high as possible, which would include make them as wide as possible. And that will increase 
your awe of Allah, inshallah. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? All righty. So all this was related to coveting and such, and then asking from Allah for his bounty. Uh, the next ayah, we'll be speaking a little bit about heirs again, H-E-I-R-S, and then ayah 34. This is the very famous ayah. No class tomorrow. We will reconvene on Friday. So we're back to no class Thursdays. And so Friday, we will reconvene, and we will probably get into both of these ayahs, inshallah. All right, so get ready for some good times. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah. Wonderful discussions we've been having in this class over the course of this month. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.